0: Blog Talk Radio. Well, howdy, howdy, howdy,
2: howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left to Straight Show. I'm your host, Scott Fullerton, and it is Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. Hope you're all having a wonderful night so far. I appreciate you all listening in. It's a crazy time, guys. We're getting such mixed singles from our government and health experts on when this thing's going to end. We're in pandemic 2020 mode still. Uh, the Cheeto-in-Chief is saying one thing that we're going to go back to work soon. Experts from the health departments are saying others. Uh, right now, I just want to have a President Cuomo right now make me feel all better. If are able to listen to his press conferences, the guy is really knocking it out of the park. So I hope you guys are all feeling good, um, getting there, kind of feeling good. If you missed last night, I was talking about how the entertainment industry's kind of shut down, of course, through all this mandatorily, which would make you think it's been great for booking guests, but it's actually been a little hard. They're hunkering down and seeing where their next gig will be and kind of working all their connections so they can start making money again. It's a trying time in all their lives. So it's uh, we're, we're getting there, though. I'm, I got a lot of interviews lined up, and I've had some great ones so far. We're only in week two got a lot of weeks left in the season here, so we're going to have some great interviews, some great entertainment for you in the coming weeks. So thanks for sticking around. Listen, to it. we have some great numbers this season, so lots of people tuning in. Uh, if you missed last night, I, I did a musical mixtape for you. We're trying to be Musical Mondays where I have at least one musical guest on Mondays. And we did a musical mixtape for you where I took 24 artists that I've had on the show over the past four years um, that I've done some great interviews with, are making some amazing music. Uh, Most of them are unsigned independent labels. A couple are signed. Most are part of our LGBTQ community. We also have five or six straight artists in there. So I did a mixtape of six songs at a time last night for you guys to download and to use as you're going about your business during our little quarantine break here. I'm also going to put them together all for a download, and I'll tell you guys how you can download those very shortly um, this week. But it was great. It had 24 great artists, all different genres. And Adrian Christian, Billy Gilman, Blair St. Clair, Guyver, Brandon and James, Brandon Stansel, Brian Justin Crum, Cameron Hawthorne, Carly Robin Green, David Hernandez, Hayden Joseph, Jay Knight, Joan Ryan, Josh Orozco, Casey Lansdale, Kenneth Mogan, Kevin McHale, Matt Stern, Matt Van Fossen, Nico, Sam Harris, Tara Naomi, Tom Goss, and Trevor Page. So it was two hours of great music last night. If you missed it, you can be sure to check it out. Uh, I hope you are subscribing on your favorite podcast distributors. We're on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Blog Talk Radio, everything that you can think of. So please uh, hit the little subscribe button on those so you never miss an episode. If you like the episode you're listening to, give us a five-star rating. That will help them distribute it more to their listeners, and we'll get uh, found a little easier for us. So I appreciate you doing all of that. Tonight, in just a couple of minutes, I'm going to bring you an interview with actor, writer, producer, and comedian Sam Pancake. I've been a fan of his for years. It's his first time on the show. He's currently has a recurring role in a great ABC series called A Million Little Things, which I really enjoy. I'm not sure if you're watching that or not. But it's a great dramedy, uh, kind of like a This Is Us, something like that, dramedy style. Um, But great show Had some of my favorite actors in it So uh, he's doing that recurring role right now Also a lot of other things We had a chance to talk on Sunday So I'm going to share that interview for you In just a couple minutes I'll be back to wrap it up live I am trying to do all my shows If I'm not doing live interviews I'm doing a live opening and a live closing Along with the interviews So I am live now On Tuesday evening And we'll have Sam's interview on In just a couple moments for you I'm also doing special bonus footage. I'm going to put the Patreon page up again, where if you guys like the show, you can contribute. I appreciate it. It can be as low as a dollar an episode. That helps me pay for all the hosting and everything that needs to be done for getting the show on the air. I would appreciate that. And I'll talk about more of that at another time as I get that up and running again. I don't know what you guys have been doing during your pandemic break. I have been cooking like crazy, and I'm going to gain way too much of my weight back. Um, Just in the last few days, I've made a roast pork. I've made air fried chicken breast, mashed potatoes, potato skins from my mashed potatoes, split pea soup, oatmeal, chocolate chip cookies, uh, mashed potatoes, corn, so much everything, beer bread. Um, I'm going to put that video up pretty soon. So I've I've been doing, I don't know how you guys are doing. I hope you guys are all coping with your stress. I talked a little bit about last night that we have so much stress going on socially, economically, and mentally uh, that I decided to make sure I'm doing my self-care. And I did my first video therapy session today, which sounds so hippy-dippy new age when you say it out loud. But this is a lady that I've seen in the past. I've suffered from depression in the past, and she also helped me get ready for my weight loss surgery. So she's been a really good friend of mine, and she, because of the pandemic right now, is doing video conferencing. Normally I'd go to her office, but we are doing video conferencing. Had my first one today and felt really good about it. She's making me get off my butt and walking three days a week, starting tomorrow around my neighborhood. I have not been doing that. I have not been going to the gym during this thing because they've been closed down. So I haven't done anything here at home whatsoever. And I'll be meditating at least once a week and talking to her weekly for a while. So don't feel embarrassed if you need to get help. uh, Do it professionally. Or if you just need someone to talk to, I am always here. Please reach out on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. It's at left of straight. Always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. On Facebook, there's the Left of Straight Show page, or you can give me a friend request over at Scott Fullerton. I take all friend uh, requests there. So appreciate you doing that. If you need someone to talk to, let me know I am here as well. So we'll get through it to here, and uh, this is going to end sometime soon, and it's going to uh, change our life dramatically this year. 2020 is going to be a very interesting year. But we will get through it. We've gotten through worse, and we will make it better together. Uh, turn it over here to my interview with Sam Pancake this couple of seconds. Like I said, we talked just a couple days ago on Sunday night. Um, I have some great interviews coming up. I'm going to be talking to my buddy Terry Ray, calling with his co-star, the beautiful and sexy Lonnie Anderson. We're talking to our good friend Stan Zimmerman, Chris Bedell, Del Shores, be Ryan Carnes back from General Hospital. Lots of great guests lined up down the pike. Like I said, it's been difficult kind of coordinating everybody to get it organized right now during this because no one knows where the next gig is and what's happening. But we are going to make it happen here for you and be here live uh, with uh, myself every Monday and Tuesday and then either live or pre-taped interviews uh, for this season every Monday and Tuesday going forward. This is our second week. We're looking forward to a long um season this year. So you can check us live always at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, or catch the podcast rerun on your favorite podcast distributor. But let's go ahead and get ready for a little bit of Sam Pancake here, and we're going to kick it off with another Sam, the fantastic Sam Harris. This is My Reclamation, a song about reclaiming your power, and that's what we need in this time here. So uh, kick it off with Sam Harris and when we finish with that we'll be here with the Sam Pancake interview. Listen to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network.
0: When the river is too wide across and the water is raging too fast when we see destination, but cannot make our way, we will build a bridge of brotherhood and cross the river at last, when the air is cold and black with hate, and the fog of condemnation burns our eyes, when the shadows of oppression keep us hidden from the sun, you can climb upon my shoulders until we reach the skies. For it is not enough to want needed. and deserving doesn't make it true. I believe hate fails and love prevails. Take a stand, a man, justice, so I do.
2: my next guest is an out-and-proud comedian, actor, writer, and producer who most recently has been recurring on the great ABC series A Million Little Things, but he really first came to my attention when I saw him on our buddy Joe and Ben's web series Where the Bears Are back in the day. Before that, Jack Curry has on many of some of your favorite shows from Will and Grace to Pushing Daisies, Cougar Town to Major Crimes. He's also hosted his own podcast. He's even portrayed Sophia on the hit stage show, The Golden Girls Live, and that's girls with a Z, not lies with an S, damn it. Please <laughs> welcome this Left to Straight Show for the very first time, Mr. Sam Pancake. Sam, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm very well, sir. How are you doing?
2: I am doing fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show. As we all know, uh, things in Hollywood have shut down, and... We are in Pandemic
1: Watch 2020, I guess, huh? Yes, we are. Yeah. We sure are. Yeah, everything. I had a job, a really cool job. I was just a to shoot last week, and it got postponed. And then I had another cool job this coming week, and it got postponed. And I'm hoping that they're genuinely postponed, not just like canceled. But I think that they they were parts on series that were already in the middle of the shooting. So I think they'll all come back, I hope. So, yeah. There you like go. Fingers is crossed, waiting my friend. Yeah, it's tough out there.
2: Your industry, the service industry, I was, uh, in my previous life, I was in the restaurant industry for 20 years and that just got hit really hard. So we're just kind of trying to get through this all together. Um, yeah, it's it's been crazy, but I definitely appreciate you coming back. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really kind of funny when I was doing some research and everything and, I thought – let's talk about the virus for a second, too, because I remember back in January, I think you were on some show or podcast where we started talking about the moronic kids nowadays and their gay elders. What about some of these kid videos out there on spring break right now that are saying, oh, I can get the coronavirus back to me? I mean, we're in a weird
1: time right now. Yeah, it really is strange. Well, young people think they're invincible, which so did I. I mean, I do to a degree now, and it's just – it's just like they, you know, they're not in the mindset that something's gonna to happen to them or like they're living their crazy party lives. I have two nephews that are eighteen and they're not gonna be able to go to their graduation or their spring trips or their proms or any of that stuff. And they're really bummed right. out and that would really suck. I mean those kids like what they don't realize and they will only in retrospect I guess is that like this is life during wartime, which I haven't been through a war like the World like World War Two when things are just like, things are suddenly very different, and this is, seemed to be creeping up on us, though, it, you know, lots of people knew about it, we just, the 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 uh, information just wasn't communicated very effectively by the government at, the, at first, and still at the federal level, but anyway, yeah, one of the kids are going to be kids, and you can't, you know, it's, um, right. and initially also it was all like, it was all like, it's just old people that die from it, you know, and of course young kids, they're in their own little like TikTok world at that point. We're not thinking about, you know, consequences of about the next day, let alone down the line, if they're going to get sick or something. So, you know, that's just, I was plenty dumb in college too. So I can't be too mad at them. <laughs> right. And no, the
2: only time we see this kind of thing is in the entertainment industry. I mean, this has all been uh, made up stuff until now. I mean, like you said, a little perspective when you're older, you know, these things has happened, but, uh, this is, this is the stuff of movies, my friend, very strange, very strange times indeed, that is for yeah, sure.
1: It's history. We're observing history in the making, and it's going to change everything in, in, in exactly. good ways, hopefully, at the end of the day. Yeah,
2: hopefully. I mean, there is that, that part of it where I think it can really – we do seem to do our best in national emergencies. We're kind of uh, to to help our fellow man. We see some of the worst too, but generally, overall, I think we see the best in people come out when these things like this happen. I think people are going to learn a lot of stuff. We're learning about all this telecommunication area, commuting from home might be able. People spend more time with their families and working from home, and
1: we find a lot of things
2: that come out of this. You never know.
1: Absolutely, Uh, yeah. And and I was just talking to my sister, and she was uh, who was who lives here. I have a lot of I have five brothers and sisters, but the one who lives here. In L.A., um, we were just talking about, and I was talking to another friend too, like when I was a kid in the 70s or a teenager, had I been a teenager in the 70s when this happened or even the 80s where I was a teenager, it's like we had three channels. And, you know, maybe you had cable and maybe you had a satellite right. dish. Like there was no social media. There was no way to connect with your friends other than the phone. And most houses had one phone, maybe two lines, you know. Uh, you know, maybe exactly. it was just it would have been even more boring, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right <laughs> definitely true and 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 big shout out to your fellow entertainment people that have been really do, doing great on social media i mean i can't tell you every time i look at my instagram feed there's at least six or seven live feeds going of people trying to do some type of reassurance or entertainment or something yeah. to kind of pass the time and exercise videos which i keep away with like the plague but there's there's lots of good stuff out there right now so yeah,
1: they're we'll really see is. what that happens. people are still producing. Yep.
2: Very, very interesting stuff. Well, I appreciate you being on the show and for the first time I always like to get a little background of my guests. Do me a favor and tell me about where you grew up. What kind of a kid were you, and what did you first want to be when you grew up?
1: Um, I was born in Virginia, near outside of Richmond in town called Petersburg. And then when I was really small, we moved to southern part of West Virginia in Summersville. Uh, and then we moved eventually, when I was like in second grade, to Hampshire County, West Virginia, outside of a town called Romney to a, a, a home. It was like the homestead of my of the Pancake family, and the Pancakes were all from, and my dad grew up in, and my grandfather and like every grade nice. before that to the 70s, 50s in Hampshire County, West Virginia. So that's cheaply where I grew up, went to high school there. Um, I was the second of six kids. I was the first boy. I, um, I'm the third. I'm Joseph Samuel Pancake, the third. I grew up in a, in a big house in the country with a big family. Um, there was a lot of, you know, my, there was a lot of outdoor sports and hiking and camping and canoeing and hunting and fishing and, um, lots of activities. We had a nice big barn. We had a horse. We had lots of animals. I mean, we had not – it wasn't a working nice. farm, but we had lots of dogs and cats. And a couple times we had pigs for 4-H projects. But it was a very rural, outdoors life. And, you know, I was – I knew I was – I realized I wasn't gay, though I didn't know if I knew that's what it was when I was like four or five. So I always felt different. I always felt wow. afraid. I always felt very um, – I knew, I knew that I – I didn't feel like I was wrong because I knew it was so natural in me. It was like, it was like being, liking, looking at men and like desiring them and like wanting to be, you know, for Reynolds to hold me or however it, or picturing myself <laughs> going away with the prince, the prince at the end of the story. Um, however it manifested in me, I was sort of like, well, this is just natural in, in me. I'm not, there's nothing that's like, you know, it was just felt like anything else, like being, like liking ice cream or having blue eyes. It wasn't anything I had any control over. Um, right. And so, but that, you know, immediately I was like, I can't ever talk about this or have anyone find out or they re- will kill me and I'll be dead or they'll hate me. So I had a lot of the, you know, the little best little boy in the world syndrome of like being a good student and a, a polite, well-behaved kid. And and I tried to make people laugh. I mean, I could be really bratty with my brothers and sisters and I was always trying to get a laugh. I tried to entertain Um, the first movie I saw in a theater was Mary Poppins and I was two years old and my mom said that they thought I was going to fall asleep, but I was, I, it's my first memory. I distinctly remember in that being in that theater, standing up on the seat with my hands on the seat in front of me, watching Mary Poppins and being like, I want to be up there. What is that? I want to be in this other world. I don't want to be in this world. I want to be in that world. And so I knew that maybe being an actor was something I wanted to do, um, you know, possibly I didn't really know how that would happen um but I also when I was little was like I was interested in art. my mom was an art teacher and an artist and I was interested in art I loved to draw and I loved to draw blueprints and cities and houses and and like buildings and uh so I also was interested in architecture and I was interested in archaeology everything that started all these things that started with an a weirdly but um <laughs> then, you know, I just went to I, – then I decided I just – because I couldn't do architecture because of the math, and um, I don't know. I just really – I don't. I, there was nothing to prove or any evidence that, that I should have gone to be an actor, but I somehow – my parents were nice enough to let me major in theater in college, and then they were like, you're on your own. You can do this, but you're on your own. We're not going to support you, which I didn't expect anyway, and then somehow it worked out.
2: Right. Nice. I like that. Um, where did you go to school?
1: I went to a, I went to a, in the town. You mean college or grade school?
2: Yeah, you go to college for
1: acting, or is, it, is, it, is that when you started doing it? Yeah, I did. I went, West, or? I went to West Virginia University in Morgantown, and I got a BFA, okay. a four-year you know theater degree, majored in acting in theater. But like I was an actor because you could also you know obviously could do tech or costumes or theory or whatever. But I and they had a really good program at the time. This was in the eighties, but like I realized when i got to la i mean i wasn't trained there at all for camera or on camera that i lacked and had to learn on my own um but i got a really solid thorough stage training you know for Shakespeare and check off and uh you know um reconstruction or what are it's called um oh i can't think of the word like richard brinsley Sheridan and on the uh, uh, why is it the rivals is that is it re- reconstruction theater I, i'm Sorry, everyone, I'm blanking out. Anyway, it (laughs) doesn't matter, classical theater. Um, And had a really good conservatory program that really kicked our asses my junior and senior year while also, you know, getting a college degree because it was a big state university, so you also had to take the core classes, like, you know, science classes and history and all that stuff. And, yeah, all my brothers and sisters went there at some point. And um, and then I moved to Myrtle Beach for a year and a half, which was kind of a a random – um, <laughs> curveball move that random. I did and
2: nice place though. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I went with a couple of girlfriends down there to wait tables in the summer, and then we got we got jobs there, and then they went on for, to their lives at the end of the summer, and I was supposedly saving money, but I wasn't, so I just stayed there another year. But the good news was when I was in Myrtle Beach, I um, while I was there, I waited tables. I worked for this modeling and talent agency, such as it was there. You know, in in um. In, in myrtle beach to the degree that they had i mean they had enough stuff to have a modeling and talent agency and the, and the couple that ran it also had like a dance school it was one of those things and the theater classes and stuff like that and that was really gotcha. fun and then i got cast me and some friends got cast in as featured extras in the movie shag which shot in myrtle beach and i met some of my two of my closest friends i'm still really close to to this day i met doing being extra in that movie and we worked on that movie, like, every, every day for, like, a month or more. And I remember we made $75 a day cash, and we thought we were rich. Um, <laughs> and then after that summer, I I think it, it around in October of that same year, 87, I, as I had been planning to do, I packed up my car. I drove, had, like, I don't know, a few hundred dollars. I remember I had $200 by the time I got to L.A. I drove cross-country by myself. I lived on a, friend, a college friend's um, in her dining room on a mattress for six weeks. And then I started working at Johnny Rockets, which was like a big deal then. We, I was working in the uh, the second Johnny Rockets ever. And now it's kind of like a faded chain. But then wow, it was like, yeah.
0: oh,
1: God. And uh, so. Still next caliber then, in Vegas.
2: I was there the other day. still alive. I said,
1: it's
2: still alive. I was <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Johnny Rockets, Next Caliber the other day.
1: So it's still alive. Oh, (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah.
0: I I still love
1: their food. I mean, it's a whole different menu now, I think, than we had, or there's a lot more stuff, but I always loved it. And so then I started working, started work work studying at a casting facility, and then eventually I got hired there as a PA, an office PA. And then from there, I got like an agent and a manager and um, started doing commercials and a part of the thing at this casting facility for work study, they would offer classes. You would work for four hours a week and get four hours of classes. And in like commercial classes oh, or cool. on-camera classes or whatever, improv or whatever. And I did those and they used to, they still do have these, but it's a different, it was, <laughs> it, it, it was, it's turned, they oh, what I'm trying to say. So they had these casting workshops that they, a casting director would come in, give you scenes, do scenes for you. And they would hopefully call you in for stuff. Eventually they made that illegal because you couldn't, like, it was just that you can't pay someone to audition for them. Oh, how funny. Yeah, yeah, and they really cracked down on people in the last few years. This isn't news outside of Hollywood, but it was a big deal in the last couple of years. Uh, People literally got, I don't think anyone went to jail, but people got fined and stuff casting people for, like, running these things. But I tell you, it was, it really helped me. And then also I, working from the casting facility, I, that was just like we ran the facility that we would rent rooms for people to do casting sessions in. But then one of the casting directors that we rented to asked me to work for him. So I worked for him and, and I, was, I was basically a commercial casting director from 91 to 97 and still doing commercials and TV, TV, in that period. And then like late nineties, I made enough, I did enough commercials that I made enough money. I quit my day job. So, um, Very cool. so except for, yeah. So except for like a year and a half when I also bar backed at my friend's bar after the big commercial strike of two thousand, which is something that no one no one knew about also outside of LA. But um it really kicked my ass. But uh other than a year and a half of bar backing, I supported myself as an actor since the uh ninety seven.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, you those know, commercials, people don't know how lucrative those things are. My friends had a McDonalds commercial. It's have yeah. made him survive for the last three or four years. I mean, those things are yeah. incredibly lucrative, and, and you're and right there were even more day. of them
1: well, there were even more in the Go 80s ahead. and 90s because there were more unions. Somebody is are going non-union now, and they buy out the actors, and they don't pay residuals. But if it's a good union spot that runs for a few years, which I've been lucky to have a lot of those, um, yeah, the money's excellent.
2: <laughs> nice, nice, nice. I like it. And now you said you kind of realized early on you were gay, when did you actually come out to yourself, and who was the first person you came out to?
1: The first person I came out to um, was in my junior – no, 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 not my junior year. It was – I think it was my uh, – it was the first semester of my senior year. I came out to my friend Bob, my best friend Bob Burns, who I'm still friends with. You know, he lives in Connecticut. Um, I came out to him, and he had been out for a couple of years um, very bravely. And This is, obvious, this is like early to mid-'80s. And um, I came out to him, and then i <laughs> I came out to um, slowly to my to my brothers and sisters, all of whom were ex- absolutely okay with it. And um, never really came out to my mom or dad. My dad's not. My dad died a couple of years ago, but like I never. And I know people will be like, "You should have come out to him." No, believe me, there was absolutely no good to come <laughs> out of coming out to my father. I'm sure he knew and figured it out, but he was so – he was – it's a very specific – he was a very specific narcissistic person who wouldn't have cared anyway. It's just a long story, and my mother and I don't really talk about it either, but, like, we – she knows, and she's met – she met one of my boyfriends and stuff. But, like, I have an aunt who's, like – who's my mom's sister who's, like, my emotional mom, and she – and I came out to her pretty early, too, and she's amazing. Um, So – and then once I – I (laughs) – then I had sex for the first time after a Christmas party at the end of that semester, and then, and then after that, the, my cork was unpopped, and um, there had a know. really fun spring semester. So speak. As yeah. I yep.
2: like it. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. Very very cool. Let's go. Some you've worked with some of the greatest people uh, that I admire mostly, or just uh, just love to see things. Let's start back a little bit. Um, I was really upset. Uh, this show's all about entertainment, foodies, books, and things like that. And as a foodie and an entertainment buff, I l- was really hoping Kitchen Confidential would go strong. Uh, back in the day, you have mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper, you have Nicholas Brennan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. who yep. was a crush for some reason. Talk about that. Yep. Uh, what kind of, was that your first series series, uh, semi regular or recurring? Or talk about that show. That was
1: yeah. That was actually that was the first show that I that I. It's a long story. It's the specifics of, of series regular versus recurring. It was supposed to be a series regular role at the last minute before I got it. They were like, the good news is you don't have to test, which is the final audition you do before the studio and the network. And then they decide they test, it gets done like two or three people. And then, but so they were like, "You, you don't have to test, but it's going to be recurring. And it looks like you're going to get it if you accept it as recurring, which basically means you're in every episode, but they pay you a lot less than everyone else. And at the time, I was <laughs> like, "Heck yeah!" Because it's Darren Starr, it's Br- Bradley wasn't who he is now, obviously, but like still, like I love well, John Show. I loved. I I was a huge Buffy person. It was such a pleasure to work with Nikki Brendan. He was amazing. Um, and it was very. Ex- and Frank Langella was in it. You know, he played the owner of the restaurant. And so, of course, I'm going to say yes because at the time we were all quite convinced that it was going to be the new male sex in the city, which is what it was geared up to be. Um, right. And it should have been, but what happened was they, it was just Fox, Fox changed president. We, just, we baseball. shot the pilot. Baseball. Well, ba- <laughs> other than, ba- well, they could have, we could have come back from baseball if the you know, and of course it would have been on Netflix now and run for seven seasons or wherever, Amazon. But what happened besides baseball was the president of the the new president of Fox um, canceled it, rather than letting it go, and they didn't even run all the episodes. And that was one of those like, and he he got fired within the next year or two. Like he fucked it up. He really fumbled it, and um, it sucked because it was, it was a great was show. A really I saw show. all the episodes. And it was very there. well it reviewed. Was like
2: four or five, it
1: They were excellent. And you, it was so much fun. Yeah, and you and there's a DVD set that also has behind the scenes stuff. And I remember that next year of some of us going into, I don't think Bradley's in it. Cause he like, you know, became instantly famous, but um, we went in and did like a, um, a reunion like interview thingy about it.
2: Oh, nice. I'll have to go check that out. I did not know that so one. So it's on the nice. DVD. Cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it was a great job. I, man. I was in every, I, we, I, we shot 13. I was in all but one, I think. And we had some amazing guest stars like Andrea Martin and John Larquette. And, um, I can't remember, but, like, lots of really good people.
2: Very cool. I love that. And talk about, I kind of hinted to it um, earlier, you've been part of this Golden Girls Live series with, I told (laughs) you off air, that we had Drew Drogi on last week. Um, Of course, we have the great Jackie Beat on there, and... uh, would we'll talk about this experience. How's that? How long have you guys been running that? It's been going a while now, hasn't it?
1: We, it's so funny because we always are like, "When did we start this?" But I looked it up recently for us because I, in a weird way, I'm kind of <laughs> the historian of it because I, I keep a real tight Instagram and photo photo record of things, and I write everything nice. down. I'm nerdy, nerdy that way, <laughs> um, and keep like nice. very specific date books, and I can pull out the year and look and see what happened. Um, We first, if memory serves, we first, the first one we did was I think in August, we did a weekend in August of 2014, and we were like, and Jackie and Sherry, who I've worked with a bunch of times, called me and said, we want you and Drew to do, they asked me and then Drew, because I, uh, nothing against Drew, they, they, I just, I've just known Jackie and Sherry since like 92, you know, and Drew's only been in LA, so like he's, he's, Drew's by far the baby, he's way younger than us, so (laughs) Um, Jackie said, me and Sherry want to do Golden Girls. Do you want to do it? And who do you want to play? I said, of course, I want to play Blanche. And she's and Jackie's like, no, Sherry's going to be Blanche. And I'm like, Uh, okay. Um, because I had done <laughs> Blanche before at the Mismatch. Game. We do a thing at the Mismatch game as a fundraiser for the LGBTQ center here in town. And we all play celebrities, right. you know, the, the old school um, 70s. So anyway, so then I was like, well, so Jackie was like, do you want to be Sophia or Rose? And I thought – So feel will be easier because it's – I don't have to – because I can't do pretty drag makeup. It's really – if I ever look pretty in a photo in drag, it's someone else did it. I am not good at – I don't have those skills. (laughs) I'd rather literally pay somebody to do that than you have to do it. Not a skill I have. It's too frustrating. Right? So we – I said I'll be – and then also I I was like, if I ever have to keep my beard for a job, which happened in January, (laughs) if I have to keep my beard for a job, I will – I can still be Sophia and put makeup over it. No one cares if Sophia has a beard, you know. Rose right, is right. beard, <laughs> And also, Rose is so hard to do. And so, like, and Drew, so I said, I'll do Sophia. We asked Drew if he'd do Rose. He did it. And Drew, Drew does an amazing job because there's not a lot, lot to latch onto there with Betty White because she's just kind of like, you know, she's, this think of trying to do a Betty White impression. It's hard, you know. Sure. it's She's not right. It's the char- she's amazing, and the character is fantastically funny, but, like, there's something to latch onto in an invitation. Anyway, so we did it like one weekend. It went because we were like, we don't know how good it's going to go. Also, we don't know how legal this is. But um, we did another one, I think, that November because we it, it did so well. And then, so we've been doing it twice a year, usually January and August now, but um, like for two weekends. Um, and we're supposed to do it again this year in September, where hopefully we can all do shows again. <laughs> I mean, have audiences and stuff. Exactly. Right that time. So that's the next one. All,
2: all my LA friends have seen it; and they love it. Emerson Collins and Blake Diver, uh, oh, and then, of course, um, Stan um, Stan Zimmerman's a great friend of the show. Who wrote the Golden Girls? He's seen it.
1: Yes. And, well, uh, he we so, did one yeah, and so we, it. it. we did one of his episodes. Yeah, he's
2: come exactly, a couple times.
1: Exactly. So,
2: Right, so he's a great friend of mine in the show. So, yeah, it's just rave reviews. I've not gotten to see it. It's never played while I've been in L.A. Um, since When I go back, I go back about usually twice a year, and I just never get there around the same time. But it is just, from what I hear, the best
1: thing from sliced bread out there. So that's pretty awesome. I'm glad.
2: <laughs> and hopefully nice.
1: said September. Thank you. September again? Yeah, September. Yeah, the um, I don't remember the date. Um, I can, because I write everything down, I can look at dates. These are the dates. If you're in L.A. in September, let me look and see in my little bookie here that I have when we're supposed to – You have a suppose, full
2: of facts. I like
1: it. I do. I really like
2: it. You are an organizer. Oh,
1: uh, yeah. It's the – yeah, it's September uh, – oops, 11th. It's like 9, 11, and 12, 13, and then 9, 18, 19, and 20 um, this September of 2020, and hopefully we'll be able to do that um who knows where there any of us will be I, then, but. I may
2: be back august september i do a, my show live from palm springs for a month every summer so you'll have to drive over to palm oh, springs nice. spend the night i do it at a resort there and they put my guests up for a night at the resort and we have a good old time so if you have time oh, i'll do you know, it yeah heck yeah I, I, drive I love out to, to do palm that springs.
1: we go oh heck yeah i go two or three times a year if not more <laughs> for sure
2: yay we have a great time. This, is, this will be my third year doing it. I've done the last two years. The Indulge Resort in Palm Springs puts me up for a month. And then we bring my guests in wow. I do live shows two times a week. And uh, we do it for, right from the resort there. And we go to happy hour afterwards. And all my guests stay and we have a good old time. Except we almost got kicked out fun. of the pool one time for playing Marco Polo at 3 in the morning. But other than that, wow. it's good for two years.
1: <laughs> uh, that's good.
2: But it's fun. Very, very nice. Now talk about. I am a huge movie fan, and you had your own podcast, Sam Pancake Presents, the Monday afternoon movie. Talk about that. What got you into that? You've had some great people talk about with you. Talk about that project a little bit.
1: Oh yeah, it's been really fun. I um I did do a, a i did a po- I've been on a lot of podcasts, and I did I did a podcast with my best friend, the Drag Queen Rose Dress for Less, for like a year and a half, and we booked our own guests, and we might do it again but it's really hard to do a weekly podcast as you know and get a celebrity guest and we all we did all those in my kitchen right um amen so we did a, that was you know also for basically free so it was it kind of ran its course and we were just kind of tired of doing it and we didn't have a network and then i had a friend my friend drew Mackey, who said to me i'm sorry a new podcast network if you were to do like your dream podcast what would it be and uh, this is probably about two years ago. And I said, Oh, I no one wanna you know, it's very niche. It's like I would want to do like a how did this get made or like a Mystery Science Theatre three thousand, but I want to do it with these nineteen seventies T V movies, horror, supernatural or like mystery, scary movies that I would watch <laughs> as a little kid and then I didn't ever get to see the end of them because I had to go to bed. And I would ask my mother, Tell me what happens tomorrow. She's like, I will and then the next morning she'd always be like, Oh, I don't remember or Everyone Dad she like <laughs> never gave me a satisfactory description of what happened. And so those so many of those movies were not available at all anywhere in the eighties, nineties, up until they started putting some of them except for they they had a random rerun on a late show somewhere, maybe. But like right. until like nineteen like I remember like in two thousand like 11 ish twelve ish a bunch of them were on YouTube, like some terror and still are in terrible prints, but still you could see them, and so that was like I was like then in nineteen eleven I was like, holy shit, these are all on there and just like, oh, this is such a flashback um so I said, I want to do a you know talk a friend and me would watch you the movie together separately and then do a podcast about it. And whether you like those movies or watch them or not, I would serve hopefully as all kind just a kind of a comedy podcast too, and it really took off. And when I said that, I pitched it to this guy, where he asked me to pitch him. He's like, "Let's do it," and I'm like, "Okay." So we um, we were supposed to start our fifth season. Um, I got one in the can two and a half weeks ago, or three weeks, two weeks ago, and I was supposed to do all the other ones last week, next week, the week after. But of course because it's not something I can do on the phone. Like I want to be in right. the room with the person and it's I mean eventually if we have to we'll do it over the phone, but like it's we weren't set up for that and I like to do it in person. Um and it's so easier,
2: me. I like I like in person as well so yeah. you right on that.
1: Yeah. And so it's it's like, you know, it has a small but mighty following. People are very passionate about it. I've gotten lots of messages about why isn't there more? But as you know like and I have a Patreon that has a little bit of a following, but, like, it's what I you – know, and I want people please listen to it. Please enjoy it. I think you'll like it. And I'm not complaining. I just am stating that for this podcast that I, I painted myself into a corner because it's, like, it's many hours. It's not like, you know, I call you up and we talk for an hour. It's not like that. Like, I have to watch – I always watch the movie – like I watch it once, it, whether I've right. seen it never before or in the last year or two, I watch it again. I watch it all the way through, sit and watch it as like to try to enjoy it. Then I watch it again and notate and make a very specific outline of the plot, the plot points and just who's in it and just like annotate everything. And like, and then the guests, if they got to watch it too, they can't not have watched it. Um, so far, everyone's pretty much watched it. So it's like, it's, you know, it's some work and. So And then we tape it, and then they have to edit it. So it's like six hours of work for me, or if not more, every podcast. So that's why I can't just crank them out, and also I make no money.
0: So it's, <laughs> I feel no, like I'm I mean, bitching about it, this even though like, I
1: love doing it. But I want to tell you know, people when they're you. like, this well, is my fifth season of the show,
2: and I, and I hear you because I like to do a lot of research on my guests. I do four interviews a week, and I do about an hour oh, to two hours damn. of research on each guest. And i like, cool sponsors. Time. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work for yep. for, for little income. Yeah. So I understand exactly where you're coming from, especially so you, when you have all those gigs and auditions and everything you have to go on
1: uh, for your life. Yeah.
2: So I definitely understand what you're doing. So
1: and I've been juggling but and I'm so grateful, but doing. I've been recurring. Yeah, I've been recurring on these different shows and everything's been great and we're coming up. But that's my first. It's got to be my first. You know. Uh, sure. Priority is making a living, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Exactly
2: well, Let's talk about this most recent one The Million Little Things is my type of show I kind of like those dramedy type shows You're working with two of my favorite people on the planet I mean David Giantoli I was a grim uh, early adopter yeah. I love. I I lived in Portland for four years So I love the locations oh, wow. of where they shot there um, right. And of course James Rode, I was a huge psych fan so you're working with two of oh, my cool. favorites, and you've got a great cast. Talk about how that came up. What was the audition process for that? And and tell me about your character. We love him. He is uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Car- I love a little. Oh, partner. thank
1: you. Thank you. Yeah. It's um. Wow. This is like your dream show then with both with Psych and Grimm on it. Yeah.
2: It is. It you don't even understand. for people who love that. <laughs> it's Perfect.
1: Um, I didn't have to audition. Luckily, DJ Nash, who's the creator and showrunner. He and he he's tweet he tweets about this and he again tweeted this recently like, I auditioned for his first pilot that he was the creator and showrunner of, kind of based on his life because it used to be a stand-up, in the early I forget when it was I was like oh three or oh four maybe, and I was so wrong for the part it was this like beer <laughs> in my if memory serves it was this like beer drinking like stoner frat bro who's like the you know lives his life in a lazy boy chair and is just kind of a, a pig. Um, and that i went in for that but i did it as me and i guess it made them laugh so hard because <laughs> they're like you're never going to get this but and, and dj said i will put you in the room he said to me this is not for you but i absolutely will i'm going to work with you and put you in everything i do if i when i make it and he did so he's put me in everything he's done That's like he he was a producer until death with brad gare and jolie fisher i got a guest star on that he did this his um show growing up fisher which sadly only lasted 12 episodes i was in the pilot of that with, with jk simmons plays a blind attorney which is based on dj's dad and then i did a pilot three years ago called losing it with john crier on gerald mccraney and uh and then i was going to be recurring on that and then um so with this one he um in august uh, we had a conversation in august of um Oh, God, When 18, 18, yeah, and I was just like – because I knew that – because I wasn't in the pilot, and I was like, hey, dude, because there was a – it's a long story, but long story short, as they all are. <laughs> he said there's – yeah, I was like, is there anything in this for me? And he was like, oh, my God, yes, there is. Let me just – I'll get right back to you, and this part was – hadn't been cast yet, so he's like, you can be this guy. Um And so that's how it happened. And I was up a month later, I was up in uh, Vancouver and, um, yeah. And that's, and then, you know, we're waiting to hear about the third season, but it looks really good depending on what goes on in the world. And I do, I, I can say that I was told there will be more of me in this third season, um, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's all I'm allowed to say. Well, that would be great. If and well, when I there's mean, a third season, I, I will definitely and, be coming back. There you
2: go. I mean, you work with the character that plays Catherine, Kate, and you, she kind of just let it all go. You guys tet to support you. And so there's a great possibility for you to be in there quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they take it. So that's exciting.
1: Me, me Good too. Good on you. Yeah. Very and I got to cool. say, I love her so much. Grace Park, who plays Catherine Kim, she, Catherine Kim Seville, she is a, just a joy. And I, if she lives in Vancouver, I live in LA, and so I only see her when I go up there. But like we, luckily, because it doesn't always happen, and I played a lot of assistance to a lot of people, um, but she and I just <laughs> click, and I thoroughly enjoy her, and she's such a pleasure to work with, and so much fun. Um, and also, when I have to cry, just like she's one of those actors, like you connect with her in your eyes. And it's just like, we both start crying. So that's, that's good to have is that chemistry. Oh, I
2: love hearing that. That is awesome.
1: Especially when, especially when it's that kind of show, because in this last episode I was in, which I guess you saw, like, I, I was like, I get to cry. When DJ wrote it, he he was like, great, great news. You get to tear up. And I was like, I'm going to (laughs) cry. And he, he, like, so he ran all that storyline past me before, before they did it, which was so nice of them. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, nice. Well, I'm enjoying every second of it. And like I said, Good. I'm jealous hell that you get to hang out with uh, David and James. It's like, oh, my God, you, you are my, well, James, hero, my friend. James
1: is the one I've only done, like, I've only been, like, in one scene with James, and I don't see him that much. But, John, Tully, I this last, obviously, like, that was the, the second no, that was the first my first scene with him. But I've seen we actually had I don't drink drink anymore. But like we had one night when I was there, we got to hang out and have drinks in the hotel bar for a while, which was like and got to know each other better. And he's just he's so nice, he's such a dream. Nice. He truly is a sexy delight.
2: Very very cool. He is a sexy sexy man. Very good. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Well, congratulations on that we got to hear uh, as that happens. Let's go ahead. We're going to start wrapping up here. I want to do my five questions here in a second, but talk about anything. I mean, everything is such on hold. Is there anything that you know for sure you're looking forward to, or what, what projects in the future are you really hoping come to pass that you're allowed to talk about? I know that's hard. In the, one in that I'm allowed to
1: talk, the one that I'm allowed to talk about, I think, is I, sh- I was um, – there's a Save by the Bell reboot, and I did a, I did a recurring on it. I only shot one episode so far playing a part on that. And then that was nice. – to do more of it next week or the week after or both, but that got postponed. And, you know, hopefully um, – there, there's a thing in the industry with an actor with a lot of different, like, director, directors, I think, work this way too, where they, they'll put you on a veil or pin you, which means you're not booked, but please hold that time for us. And we're going to hire you, hopefully. And if anything comes up, let us know. So I was pinned for that for two weeks, uh, this next two weeks, and that, that, um, and that's been postponed. I don't know to when um, for me to right. meet back on that series. It was very, very funny. Um, it's different than the other one, and this has all been in deadline in the trade, so I'm not spoiling anything. But it's, it's most of the original like. Mark Paul, who I've also, who I, that was another job. DJ Nash did a short-lived sitcom with Mark Paul Gossler that I played the neighbor on. And so I worked with Mark Paul before, but like Zach and Jesse and um, uh, Slater. Um, and I can't remember Tiffany's character's name. Anyway, they're all back. <laughs> no screech, but um, it's Is like it the second generation. Is it
2: kind of like a it, reboot then? Or was it almost a parody? No.
1: It's more of a tongue in cheek. It's, really? The 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 showrunner is Tracy Wigfield, who's one of Tina Fey's right-hand people, and it's oh, lots wow. of okay. Arrested Development, and it, it, it's 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 30 Rock, Arrested Development, and Simpsons writers, and it's a single camera, so it's really that's all I'm gonna say. But just like, it the script that I read, the one that I'm in, I and I just have a tiny little card. I'm just believe me, I'm just happy to be there, but I um, laughed out loud numerous times, and that is a rare to um, so just read a sitcom script. Um, and then I got Very another really cool. cool job on HBO. Oh, also, I can say this, though. I, me and Drew both uh, play a couple who are on the third and fourth seasons of Search Party, which used to be on TBS, and now it's going to be on HBO Max in the summer as if all things go to plan. So that's... Uh, and that's all shot. Like, we shot season three over a year ago, and we shot our parts of season four in January, Drew and I. And I know they wrapped their season, so that's coming up in the summer and then this other hbo max job i don't think i can talk about because i'm sure they're probably not gonna want me to um but that was the thing i was just issue last week only for a couple nice. of days but it was a really really cool thing and when that when that does happen knock wood i'll be very excited when i can talk about it because it was a really cool job
2: <laughs> we will shout it out for sure Fantastic. And where can my listeners follow you on social media to see all all this stuff fun Mike happens? Like you said, you have a fantastic Instagram and uh, feed and everything. Where can people find you?
1: Thank you. Um, on Instagram, I'm the Sam T H E Sam Pancake, and on Twitter, I'm J Sam Pancake because someone already took my name. Um, but and then you can my Facebook page is public. You can also like follow me on Facebook. And I, and between those three, I, I, everything that I do, I, I'm not shy about self-promoting. Um, and then I'm supposed to do a show here, at Casino Del Campo, in, in on July 10th and 11th. Here will we in L.A. where we do Golden Girls Live, um, another one-man show, which I am still debating whether to write a new one or to do a revised one about my life. So that's supposedly happening too. But of course, we'll see what happens when you know, day by day this, this whole thing works out.
2: There you go. Well, hopefully we'll get some more information in the next couple of weeks and uh, people will follow you yeah. and we'll find out what's going on. So much for taking the time to go on the show, my friend. It's been great getting to know you and talking about all this great work you've been up to.
1: Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to happy to be here, and I'm excited to watch. Thanks for telling me about the reminding me about the Rosie thing because I have it now up on my screen <laughs> to watch.
2: <laughs> we are going to watch Rosie together. We're recording this Sunday afternoon, <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to that. So, Sam Pancake, hold on line for me. We're going to go ahead and play out here, and be sure to look for our special episode of Five Questions with Sam Pancake that will be coming up on the Left of Straight Radio Network very shortly. Have a great afternoon, Sam. Hold on the line. We will be back on The Leftist Right Show in just a couple of minutes. Hold on the
0: line. You got it. There's a war on drugs and a war on crime. They say Jesus wants a war to wipe out Darwinism. There's so many wars. Up my mind. And most of all, you got your war on war, on terrorism. You say the American way is what we're fighting for, but I'm sick of the thing you put me in. So I declare. You tell me who to love and how to live and what to pray to Then you kill and fight, cause you say you must Depends on who we like and who we hate and who we pay to You say the American way is what we're fighting for But I'm sick of the lies you still deny, so I declare. Can we be together and love one another like brothers? Why can't we all be free instead of looking for the enemy? Raise the plan, to lose the cash. The illusion of control, Let's take it to And the rocket's red glare is more than I can bear. You keep me so scared and unaware like I don't care. And I'm not prepared for the government lair. My blindness to your unkindness justifies your...
2: show this week thanks for tuning in we literally had a sam pancake there sam harris to start us off a sam pancake interview and sam harris to finish us up with war on war guys be safe out there take care of yourselves check on your friends check on your loved ones we'll be back next monday and tuesday at six o'clock pacific time 9 o'clock Eastern Time, right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network Live. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast distributors, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram at at Straight. And on Facebook, it's the Left of Straight Show, or send me a friend request over at Scott Fullerton. Big shout-out to Sam Pancake. Be sure to uh, check out all of his great work. And, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great evening. Bye-bye.